So why is it my voice you're hearing first and not marketing and community manager plus presenter Matt Davis's vocal? Well, it's with good reason. I'm Matthew Walker, music and sound designer with the Arc Digital Podcast, and today's episode is a special one. Dark Future Blood Red States is out. It's live. Um, and we hope you're having quite the blast in playing it. If you're yet to, no worries, that's cool. Um, head up Steam and grab yourself a go. So, now the chase. I'm opening up this episode as Matt is currently troned within Skype, about to conduct a cool interview uh, with none other than James Swallow. For those that don't quite know the name, that's okay. Uh, you'll likely be drawn, though, by his credits and the IPs he's applied his writing talents to, such as Star Trek, Doctor Who, 24, Warhammer 40k, Halo, Stargate, 2000 AD, and a bunch of others, not to mention, of course, Games Workshop's Dark Future itself. This guy is an author with great credibility, with BAFTA noms, and is an award-winning New York Times, Sunday Times, and Amazon number one best-selling author of over 50 books. Here's Matt Davis and James Swallow. Enjoy. So, we're very, very uh, thankful and very grateful to have with us a, um, a New York Times bestseller. Is that, is that, that, is a, that is one yeah. of the... That is, I can give you. That is right. <laughs> uh, available with us today to talk to us about Dark Future, but I will let you do your introduction first, if you don't mind. Well, my name is James Swallow. Uh, I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I'm a writer of stuff. I've worked in uh, video games. I've worked in novels. I've written for audio drama. I've written for television. Uh, my connection to Dark Future is I've been involved as a consultant with uh, the video game project. But before that, I wrote a, uh, a tie-in novel called jade dragon back in 2005 which was uh, based in a franchise and i've uh, always been a fan of the game since the very beginning amazing so um when you say you've written a lot i mean i the, the stuff i've discovered about you 40k the horror heresy stuff you've done stuff with star trek uh doctor who voyager stargate halo uh interesting battle tech i didn't realize you've done that as well that's another thing Yep, all of that's true. Um, I'm, I'm lucky enough that as a what we call a tie-in writer, somebody who works on fiction that's based in other existing franchises, I'm lucky enough to have been able to work in fictional universes that I've been a fan of all my life. You know, So games and, and stories based on movies and TV shows that I've, I've enjoyed, I've been able to kind of contribute a little bit to the sort of the tapestry of, of those vast universes by writing short stories or novels or scripts. Which is, which is, I think many, many of us and many of our listeners as well will probably be thinking, oh boy, that's the sort of job I would love to have done. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, I mean, uh, you know, to be able to, it's great to be a writer. I mean, I love being a writer anyway. I mean, I write my own fiction as well. Um, and, and it's great to be able to tell your own sort of stories. But part of the fun of, of working in an established intellectual property or IP, as we call it, yeah. involves you basically, someone gives you a big box of toys. And he says, would you like to play with these toys for a little while? And, and you can't get dirty fingerprints on them and you can't break them. And you, have to, and you have to put them back in the box when you're done. But for a little while, you get to play with this great toy box of this fantastic fictional universe. And that's just so much fun. That's, that's, that's a really good analogy for it. Actually, that's a very, very cool way of doing it. And um, I, I would also say as well that you, you've also had the fortune to write your own stuff as well. You've written, um, so is it, is it two series? Um, I'm going to say Mark Dane and the Shadow Downers, the Sundowners? Sundowners, yeah. Sundowners. Yes. 
Yeah, Sundowners was right at the very beginning, beginning of my career. That's almost 20 years ago now. That was a, a series of, of steampunk westerns I did sort of for, for the kind of YA market. Um, those were the very first novels I actually wrote. That That's the oh, cool. the stuff that got me kind of uh, recognition with um, tie-in publishers. I, I was able to go to them and say, well, I wrote these these novels. You know, I could prove that I, I could write and I could, uh, you know, deliver to deadline, that kind of thing. And they said, oh, well, if you can do those, maybe you could write a story for, for our franchises. And then more recently... Um, I've kind of sidled sideways out of the kind of sci-fi and genre stuff that I've been doing, and I've moved into what is my kind of next favorite genre, which is the sort of action thriller, um, yeah. espionage kind of modern uh, sort of action story. And that is uh, my Mark Dane series of novels uh, I've written. Uh, just coming up, the fourth one of those is going to be coming out very soon. That's called Shadow. This, the first one in the series is, is Nomad. That's followed by Exile. Uh, Ghost is the one that's current. Mm-hmm. Shadow is going to be coming out uh, in May. And that's uh, that's an ongoing series of books. Those have been doing really well and been getting me sort of out there to a, to a whole new audience. And I've been having a great time writing those. Very cool. Very, very cool. And, and we are going to come back and touch on that. But I, I, I have to only sideline you down the pathway of when was your let's go into the dark future stuff for it but to say that like when was when was your first experience with dark future was it was it with the picking up the novels did you play it a board game did you hear about another way what was your entry way into dark future so the first time i saw it was the original board game so you know mm-hmm. remember that remember that box set with the um you know the the plastic cars and all the sort of little air, tiny little airfix model sort of kit that you yeah. had a friend of mine owned the game uh and i remember seeing it and falling in love with this brilliant idea that because it was scaled to that, that kind of matchbox hot wheels car kind of size yeah and I, and I as a kid i had a huge collection i still do have this massive box of of hot wheels cars and i thought this is perfect because mm. i've already got like an, an an entire sort of road army of vehicles that i could build <laughs> you know yeah. and, and so i loved that idea of it and and it tied into you know it just it just pushed a lot of the right nerdy buttons for me you know yeah. because it had that it had that kind of Mad Max sort of stuff going on there but there was also a very cyberpunk kind of feel and back in the eighties that was you know the what was the late eighties early nineties kind of when it was coming out wasn't it so that was that was still a very sort of strong flavor out there in science fiction and it just uh, attracted my interest with all these things and also it's a great game it's a really fast mm. fun game uh, and I had a lot of fun playing it. I was going to say because this is this is an interesting one actually because um, when we when we were talk when we talked about it and talked about the concept of the game to, to lots of other people there are there are lots of people out there who don't realise the dark future is 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 an old board game or is an old product you know that 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 they've only really found out about it either from hearing from us or they you know or they know somebody so it 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 but everyone who has heard about it is like oh it's a brilliant game it's really good fun it's really really good fun I I I wonder I. I my personal opinion is, you know, is is it just one of those games that just unfortunately just didn't make the cut? Even, you know, it's like the sort of it, it was it was a half decent game, but you know, just unfortunately the wrong marketing push or the wrong whatever happened to it that it didn't get into the mainstream consciousness as much. I think there's, you know, there's always been that uh, subgenre of of sort of car combat games. Mm. You know, that that's always been a board game. You look at Car Wars is a great example. Uh, Battle yeah. Cars was another yeah, game that yeah. came out around about the same sort of time. Um, they all had something uniquely interesting about them, and certainly, I mean, Car Wars is a game that's gone on for years and years, and that's a classic of the genre. Yeah. Uh, I think Dark Future was interesting because it it embraced something that. GW Games Workshop were really good at doing, which is the whole miniatures thing. Yeah. So, so instead of it just being pieces on a board, it was an actual car and an actual yeah, yeah. motorcycle. You know, and you had figures, and it felt very tactile. And I think mm. that that was that was to do with the that was the inherent sort of appeal for that. Um, 
but it's not part of their core IP. You know, it wasn't connected mm. to like the Warhammer Forty Thousand universe. It wasn't connected to Warhammer Fantasy. And I think yeah. because maybe maybe it wasn't part of that. That's why it was never served as well as it could have been. Yeah, and it's funny as well you say that's not connection because I think there's probably a lot of people out there who who could probably try and find some parallels and try and draw some connections and maybe there's the rustling of a few tinfoil hats out there about how Dark Beach is definitely part of that world. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's some of the stories I've I've heard about it when I've talked to people who were involved in the development of this that originally it was actually conceived as a role-playing game. It wasn't mm. actually going to be a, a board game. You know, th- there was this idea about generating this this cyberpunk kind of, you know, post-apocalyptic sort of future and, and doing that as an RPG. But Games Workshop is primarily known as a miniatures game company. And so they kind of pivoted and they went towards that. It mm. seems like it's, it's, it's this weird sort of lost classic, you know, that it was it was a great game and everything about it was really, really cool. But it just sort of it maybe it was a wrong place at the wrong time. For some reason, it wasn't it didn't catch fire like maybe it should have. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess that's that's a fair point because the the, the the games themselves sort of sort of came out, and then uh, and then I suppose it sort of because uh, because the original game I think came out in 1988, and I had to go through the box to find the actual year because <laughs> I was like, I've got to I've got to say when the license started. So I was like, uh oh, I've got to bring out the box and actually work out when this game actually came out. Um, but 1988 was when it came about. Um, but the the so your second involvement then, which was was involved in the novels, they didn't start until about 2000. Um, your novel came out in 2005, 2006. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, can you can you tell us a little bit more about that? Because your 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 work on Jade. So so that there was a lot of. For, for those, uh, and we mentioned this in the, in the rest of the podcast anyway, that there was a, a whole range of, of novels that came out in and around it, um, and you know, Route Six Six Six, Crocodile Tears, the, you know, things like that, Golgotha Run, blah blah blah. Um, but yours was Jade Dragon, and yours was quite unique and quite different for everybody else. Um, we we touched on this a little bit earlier, but if you don't mind giving us a flavour of what you were thinking when you did it, sure. Well, I mean, so yeah, so the original books, I mean, they were out in the nineteen nineties, mm. uh, and. Uh, and uh, that was back when Boxtree were, were, had the license to do Games Workshop's um, fiction IP. Yeah. Back then, back then, Black Library, which is now the current um, organization that part of Games Workshop produces, that didn't exist. So they were producing Warhammer Fantasy and, and Warhammer Forty Thousand stuff. And you know, the Horus Heresy series hadn't even existed, didn't even exist at this point. And in the 90s, they got uh, a bunch of what we be, we consider now proper science fiction writers, people like Dave Pringle, uh, Kim yeah. Newman, Brian Stapleton. Yeah. All those guys came down and, and they wrote a, a whole series of books, uh, including one called um, Violent Tendency by Eugene Byrne, which was going to come yeah. out but got lost and became this great sort of missing text that was, you know, disappeared out into the, into the wilderness. So that series came out. Um, and then, you know, when, when, the, uh, when, the game was, uh, when the game went out of print, so did the books. Uh, and then uh, years later, Black Library mm. starts up, and and Black Library started up this kind of sister imprint, which is called Black Flame. Yeah. And Black and Black Flame did uh, movie tie-ins uh, and a bunch of other sort of like related materials. But one of the things they wanted to do, as well as 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 using writing about other people's intellectual properties, they wanted to go back to IPs that GW had that they hadn't used. And of course, right at the top of that list was Dark Future. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and it's kind of crazy the way it worked because uh, a lot of the books that were written in the 90s, they all had um, this idea of, you know, the, the dark future universe being this kind of weird, crazy parallel reality yeah. where uh, where history had gone on a different path. And those books were all set 
before the turn of the century. You know, they were all set in 1999, and they had this whole sort of backstory about the how when the when the millennium happened, there was going to be this apocalyptic event, and you know, demons from another dimension were going to turn up and eat the planet. Yeah. And so everything there was 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 in this very kind of late nineties pre millennial sort of thing, and you had all these weird parallel versions of characters of of yeah you know, this weird parallel history where you would see people that we knew from the real world in in very very different ways. Very famously, there's Kim Newman's comeback tour, which is about Elvis as this demon fighting bounty hunter in the in the deep south, which is pretty yeah. awesome. Um, is, that is pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> and, and of course, when but when the books were coming out uh, for Black Flame, all of that stuff was old hat because we were in the two thousands now, right? And it seemed a bit weird to talk about how can we talk about um, you know the the coming apocalypse, you know, when the clock strikes midnight on nineteen ninety nine because that's just not that's not going to make sense to anybody. Yeah, and all and all of the cultural touchstones were all kind of out of date because they were yeah. 20 years old, you know, and it was, well, how do we talk about these things? So what we decided was is that the, the, the books were going to be reprinted. Um, so you would get all of the old books from the 1990s coming back, also with a whole series of new novels that were being written at the same time. And all of the stuff in the old books, all of the, uh, the cultural touchstone stuff, all of the sort of the, the 90s era references were all going to be updated. Right. So, for example, I remember one famously about um, the Nolan sisters. If you've ever heard of them, is uh, that yes, yeah, yeah. Before your time, for those people who were before your time, that was a that was a kind of a British girl band. So it was like taking the reference to the Nolan sisters and making it yeah. a reference to like you know Atomic Kitten or something. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something something that's a bit more not a bit more timely, you know. So that was kind of a weird idea going through and making all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so so writing in parallel with these books being reprinted, uh there was um there was me, Stuart Moore, uh Dave Stone, yeah. uh and I think a couple of other writers as well. And, and we'd all been parachuted in like, you know, do you want to write about the dark future? And so I was like, I love this game. I love this crazy wild sort of universe of, of it because it's it's um it's really gritty and interesting, but it's not serious. So you can kind of do some yeah yeah. Wacky there's, stuff. there's still that, it's com- got this very, that bleak it's, comedy, isn't there? Yeah, and it has this very kind of heightened comic book kind of sense of reality to it. Mm-hmm. So for so for me, I absolutely loved it, and I thought this is an opportunity for me to do something I've always wanted to do, which was write my 1980s cyberpunk novel because I mm-hmm. I absolutely loved those books. And I thought this is the yeah. opportunity for me to tell that kind of story and, and combine it with something else that I really enjoyed, which was Hong Kong action movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that was basically the, the birth of the idea of Jade Dragon, which was the plan was is that was going to be the first in a trilogy as well. Oh, right. OK. So um, in the in the um, dark future universe, most of the world that was detailed was the United States yeah. uh, and, and a little bit of Europe. So I was looking at all of this material and I thought, well, nobody's gone to the Far East in the Dark Future universe. So what I had, I had pretty much a free hand. Mm. So, you know, I'd said to, to Christian, you know, this is what I'm thinking. And he said, well, none of this has been detailed. You know, there's only the sort of vague references to these mega corporations in Japan and China, but you can essentially do what you like. That's so, cool. <laughs> uh, so it was terrific. So I had, I had this, I had carte blanche and I'd, I'd come back from home. I'd been in Hong Kong in 2001, um, mm-hmm. on, on a, on a holiday, which ended up turning into a big research trip <laughs> uh, and it's a, and it's an amazing city. And yeah. so I, I had this, I had this hankering. I remember when I came back from the trip, I thought one, one of these days I've got to find an opportunity to write about the city because it's so cool. It's such an amazing vibe there. And this yeah. was, this was the perfect storm. All these events coming together. I thought, Jade Dragon, this is the story that I'm going to tell. Mm-hmm. So 
so there it was. It, it all came together, and I had an absolute blast writing it. And it's it's my my love of of of, of Hong Kong movies is, is definitely marbled through it. Each chapter of the book is named after a particular Hong Kong action movie of my favourite type. You know, oh, cool. so that so all, <laughs> all the chapter titles are all, are all movie titles, and and there's um, a lot of um, in in the in the idea of the books where we would have people from the real world being appearing in the story but as different characters or different versions yeah. parallel versions of you characters like people like john Wu, jet lee jackie chan uh mm. Yun fat all of those people appear in these books as <laughs> if as different versions of themselves as me kind of like you know giving a little salute to my favorite far east actors i was just saying this is your this is your homage to their to their Work, absolutely, you know, absolutely. <laughs> it, it is a total love letter to, to Hong Kong action film. <laughs> um, so for, for those who uh, maybe haven't read the books or, or, or like me, uh, is at the end of the list of ones they have to read before they get to them. Uh, can you just give us a very brief overview of what of what the story is or what, what the tale goes on in, in Jade Dragon? Well, essentially, it's... Um, it's about two different guys. One guy is a young fellow who's been uh, living in the United States working for this giant mega corporation. And he's brought back to the headquarters in Hong Kong after his brother, who also worked for the company, has died under mysterious circumstances. And uh, this is Frankie Lam. And Frankie thinks he's just basically being brought back for a promotion. And what he discovers is there's actually this devilish, demonic plot to summon this, um, this uh, pleasure demon into the city of Hong Kong and, and his bloodline is connected to this. Right. And, and so, you know, he finds himself dragged into that. And then at the other end of the spectrum, we have uh, a car thief named Ko, street guy, who um, is haunted by the ghost of an ancestor of his from, from the, uh, the, the Warring States period. And he is essentially drawn into the other guy's orbit. And it's the two of them f- stumbling across this, this terrifying plot uh, to to basically sacrifice the entire city of Hong Kong to a demonic monster, mm-hmm. uh, and and how the two of them come together to to stop this from happening, and the the, the and the third character in the story is uh, is a, an idol singer, which is kind of like you know um, a sort of manufactured pop star type character, who discovers yeah. that, that her destiny um, is 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 entwined with all of this as well. Yeah, cool. So, I mean, which again sounds like a very very cool <laughs> narrative to be able to work with, and I. I mean, I mean, I guess, I guess the 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 next question then is, is like, did you, and so, actually, I should probably ask this sec, this question after I ask another question, which is, what was your involvement with the video game? Because the second question I was going to ask is, how did you find an opportunity to try and weave in some of that narrative into the stuff we've done, or 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 was it much more you were just there as the as the best person to have for the for the direction we wanted to take with the video game? Right. Um, my involvement with with um, Blood Red States is, is on a much more kind of higher level. I think I was I was essentially kind of brought in as like a kind of tone and style consultant for it yeah. because because there is a very distinctive flavor to the the dark future universe because it has yeah. this this kind of darkly nihilistic but also kind of bleakly funny sort of flavor to it. Yeah. Um, it's really hard. Some 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 people find it really hard to get that, and you know you have to you have to understand the nuances of it to sort of make it work. So I was brought in essentially as a consultant, as somebody who worked in that world who had a familiarity of it, just to sort of suggest to the team at Oroch is like this is how you could tell your story. This is the sort of environment that you want it to take place in. You know, here's where the edges of the world are. You know, you wouldn't want to go too far this way or too far that way. So yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, my involvement was kind of like a high level, almost sort of in a 
executive story consultant, I guess, would be the way you describe me. Yeah, so I didn't get a chance to kind of put any specific references to, to any of the stuff that I worked in from the book. It was more a question of saying tonally to keep it similar in, in that fashion. So uh, what you're not excluding out is if we did an expansion that was entirely based around Hong Kong action movies that you would not be free to be able to work on that with us. Oh, I would absolutely <laughs> be there for that. Totally. 100 <laughs> um, percent. So, I mean, uh, that, that, you, you, you do make a really good point there about how, how you know, the, the, the tone and the, and, the, and the narrative is is, is very unique to Dark Future. Um, how would you sort of describe it for somebody coming at it completely brand new, like somebody who's never heard of or never seen anything to do with Dark Future before, and, and then they're faced with this world? What, how would you sum it up? I think it, it has that kind of like, you know, darkly funny nihilism to it. It's, mm. a, it's a very uniquely British kind of science fiction that, that you, you, you see it a lot through. Games Workshop does it with the Warhammer universe and the Warhammer fantasy universe as well. Yeah. And also, I think you see it, if you go on a larger scale, you look at British science fiction writing is we have this ability to kind of look at the apocalypse with a kind of wry smile on your face. And on, on, <laughs> on the one hand, it's sort of, you know, it's this terrifying, you know, depressing, scary universe. But yeah. we, can kind of, we can kind of be a bit sarcastic about the whole idea of it as well. And I think there's, there's that, that unique sort of flavor in there, I think, is what makes it fun. You know, it's very much in the same wheelhouse. I talk about things like uh, Robocops, a really good example of like an American take on that. Or, yeah. or like you know, or, or you look at the Grand Theft Auto games that also do the same thing, where they look at this weird culture through the lens of this kind of nihilistic, sarcastic kind of thing, and that's definitely that's in the DNA of of the Dark Future franchise. Yeah, um, um, I mean, the, one of the things that I know. Um, this isn't a this isn't a recreation of the board game. So the way we the way we've explained it to a lot of people is that dark, the the dark future video game is going to be what what you imagine happens when you're playing the board game in your head. So when cars flip over and things explode, and you just have to move them off the board, what dark future the video game is doing is recreating that imagination in your head. And um, like. Did you, when you were younger, did you, did you ever envisage that, you know, or, or even when you were working on the project and doing J Dragon and stuff like that, before we ever got involved, did you ever see the potential for it being a video game or saw that it might be something that could work in a digital format? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, um, the, the thing about Dark Future is immediately you've, you've got the core concept behind it is people can, people can grasp that idea of that sort of Mad Max style day after tomorrow, you know, car combat sort of thing. That's, that's a trope that people are familiar with, but yeah. the, the tone and style of it, you know, lends that unique sort of flavor to it. And I think that, you know, that sort of action gameplay absolutely lends itself really, really well to, um, to, to video games and that you know there haven't been a lot of games that are in that process that, that have that sort of style i mean i think the just recently i saw a game called crosscut which was yeah, like, yeah, a kind yeah. of, yeah. like an online uh, multiplayer sort of game and had a yeah, similar yeah. sort of tone to it and there's games like you go back a while think about like interstate 76 if you remember that which was a kind of again a very kind of tropey take on the idea of cars with weapons yeah, um, yeah. It's a it's a it's a cool gimmick and it, it lends itself very well to, to video games. And I think what the Dark Future Blood Red States does that is clever is you've added this tactical element with the idea of the the, the sort of like the uh, the ability to slow down time and, and plot your moves. And so you've you know you're you're drawing from what feels like a board game mechanic, but putting it into the video game well in a in a very unique and interesting way. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and very kind words of you as well to say that. Um, so I, I, I think that summed it up quite well. Um, it's been such a pleasure to have you on and uh, have you talking to us. Um, I'd love for you to just, you know, let, let our listeners know, is there any other way they can catch up with your stuff? You mentioned your um, your new your, your new uh, project that you're working on. So if you'd like to just give us some more details where we can find all that information. Sure. Well, if you're looking to, to see me online, you can come and find me on Twitter on at JM Swallow, where I attempt to be witty and clever in tiny little uh, 180 character bites. Or you can, <laughs> you can come along to my brand new website, which is jswallow.com. I've just launched that very recently, and that has information on there pretty much on my entire writing career. So it's your one-stop shop if you want to find out anything about me. Also talk a little bit about uh, Dark Future on there as well. Uh, and I'm also uh, currently uh, spinning up to be releasing some elements of a uh, – a, a short story which will be given away on the site over the next sort of five week period which will be free to download and that is in the run-up to the launch of my next thriller novel shadow which will be coming out at the end of may brilliant excellent well james thank you so much for your time oh my pleasure man that is so rad to have james swallow talking about dark future um backed up by a pool of credits that adds such weight what a gent um, so to close this episode, um, Matt has left me with one instruction. Um, let me just grab this little prop. Now, of course, you can't see this, but you can hear it. Um, but it's a piece of paper, a piece of Matt Davis branded paper with these scribbled notes saying, buy Dark Future now. That's it. Um, and frankly, that's the only thing left to say. Buy Dark Future Bye 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 Dark Future Blood Red States, a game of both action and strategy featuring a unique time delaying command mode is so, so satisfying to play. Trust me, it really, really is. Um, check it out on Steam. Links are in the description. Plus, like, follow, subscribe to Arc Digital across Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. We're across all of those things. You can keep updated with everything that's fizzing in the studio right now. And there's much, 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 much to be excited about. So on behalf of the team, uh, massive thanks for listening. We can't thank you enough and downloading our podcast. If you have anything at all you'd like to add about anything that we've discussed or indeed review and give feedback, it's only going to strengthen and make our podcast even better. Uh, we really want to hear from you. So please do touch base with us. Until next time, peace. Peace. <laughs>